Just learn it. I'm pretty okay. sure that's a greater than symbol. So okay, we need a math teacher to come on here and teach Mike something us, about uh, math. Yeah, I don't know Mike. anything about math. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, the inspiration behind the 1981 hit single Centerfold by the Jake Isles Band, My Brother Mike. I needed the money. Okay. They told me it was going to be tasteful. I was confused. I was young. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> and then you then you became Jake Isles' muse. We know that. You know, from that, yeah, was a, was that was a whole... on again, off again, lot of litigation. It yeah. was just it was the 80s. That that was that was the 80s. That was, was LA 80s. in the 80s, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh it was it was there was white snow everywhere, if you know what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh so yes, uh, Mike has had a very exciting life. Uh, this week, we'll review a rain-shortened week, talk a little about the Royals' starting rotation, and preview this week's series against the Rangers and Rockies. Mike, you think the Royals will actually get to win a series tomorrow? I doubt it. Uh, if I had to guess, I'd say no. I always I wouldn't predict a win or anything crazy like that. But maybe. It's possible. It is Baltimore, after all. It is Baltimore. How have we played two games in Baltimore now, and there wasn't a home run hit at all? Really? I don't think oh, so. That, it's that dead in baseball, man. Nobody can it, hit the ball out of the ballpark. Like, that guy came close today. Mount Castle. Uh, the first game off that big, I think it was a curveball from Granky. Mm-hmm. But well, they moved the fence back and left. So that's why he didn't hit his out. Okay. And then you got the dead in ball. That's going to keep the ball in the yard, I guess. So yeah. plus you're talking about two offenses in the Orioles and the Royals who are I think, I complete think that, flaming garbage. So. I think that really hits it in the sweet spot. It's the Royals and the Orioles. You're not going to see a lot of balls leaving the yard. That's you and I moved our recording time back by an hour to see if we could get that second game in. It was easily in. Easily. It wasn't like, hey, well, it was really close. We don't know if the game's going to be ended by the time we start. Nope. They had it wrapped up for us. They were ready to go. We'll start a review of last week with roster news. There was a little bit happening, uh, comings and goings, if you will. The big sort of interesting news for me is that MJ Melendez finally made his ML Major League debut. Uh, He got a chance to start earlier in the week against the Cardinals, I believe. Mike, how do you think he's looked so far? Yeah, I felt like he uh, hit the ball pretty well in that Cardinals game, drove it really hard, and was having really good at-bats. It's bad when a guy comes up and looks like he's has a better approach than your entire team the very first game he plays. But then he had a double today as well. Uh, I don't know. I think we're kind of seeing that how good Salvador Perez has been behind the plate for so long now. When we see MJ Melendez come in there, when we see other people catch, and Cam Gallagher is also extremely great catcher. Melendez isn't quite to that level, I don't think, and we're seeing that a little bit here and there. But I'll take average or slightly above average if he hits the way I think he's going to. Yeah, I think defensively, it's also just going to take some time to transition for him. This is a new staff for him. You know, he's always had some receiving issues, but, you know, I think once he gets settled in with the staff, gets a little more experience, feels calmer behind the plate, he'll be fine defensively. What excites me is that you're right. He looks like one of the best or sort of most professional hitters in the lineup already. And that's just because he's not swinging at a bunch of pitches outside the strike zone. He's not doing typical Royal hitters things where you're just swinging at pitches. You could never hit hard or never put in play and then striking out on three pitches or something like that. That's sort of classic Royals right there. He's actually coming in, putting together good at bats. It's really nice to see. 
another guy who's come up recently and is also putting together really good at bats that I've been very impressed with. That's Emmanuel Rivera. He got brought up this week when Brady Singer got sent down. And so he's gotten to play a little bit uh, this week as well. I think he had a couple hits today in the Orioles game. Just looks really competent at the plate, like another professional hitter. He was hot in AAA. We'll see. Uh, you know, I don't know that he's ever going to be an everyday third baseman, but I think he's a guy who could be very, really valuable off the bench for you and looks like a competent hitter at this point, which the Royals are looking for any competent hitter they can find, I would imagine, at this point. Earlier in the week, Carlos Santana went on the 10-day injured list with an ankle injury. He sort of helped facilitate bringing up some of these guys from AAA so we could see what they're up, up to. Michael, your thoughts on Santana heading to the IL? Yeah, he's, he's an older player. Older players tend to have nicks and dings here and there and end up on the injured list. He's the reason that MJ Melendez is up here. So... Well, sort of. He's sort of the reason MJ Melendez. I'm going to just here. say he is because it makes my mind feel better that you can replace a Carlos Santana with an MJ Melendez. Obviously, never want to see a player get hurt, but it may be his sort of move out of uh, the organization and out of the lineup. Uh, really, they may he's, end up at he's some the reason Emmanuel him. Rivera is up here. But Melendez filling in for Cam Gallagher, Santana. I think his spot was made free by or was was used by Rivera, but I'm not 100 sure on that. My Doesn't mind matter. is Same thing, my, mem- my memory is a wash and, and, you know, who knows what at this point. This week was an odd week for the Royals because a lot of their games got rained out. And so they ended up sort of having off days and rainouts that pushed them to a doubleheader today. They only played five games this week. They went two and three in those games, a couple losses to the Cardinals and a loss to the Orioles today. And that ends up with three losses, two wins, one to the Orioles and they beat the Cardinals like seven to one, I think, earlier in the week. Overall, that brings their record to nine and 16, seven games under 500. Mike, it looked like a little bit more of the same from the Royals this week. What do you think? It seems that way, but I think we're starting to see some possible changes that you and I and a lot of people who are diehard Royals fans have been calling for and wanting and pushing for. We're, I think, in agreement on this, that we want some of those younger hitters that are ready to go to be up here. Now, the one that's still the glaring not up here, Vinny Pasquantino, who is just killing AAA right now. But we get Melendez up here. Bobby Witt Jr. is up here. We're starting to see see some changes in the starting rotation as Singer, even though he was in the bullpen, was sent down. Bubich looks like he's going to the bullpen now. Got to wonder if at some point he doesn't go down to AAA too. I don't really like the idea of moving him to the bullpen. Well, he has had some success as a swingman. I understand that, but if you actually want him to be a starter, just send him down to AAA and start him. Your bullpen's been everything you need it to be. I don't know that they do. I don't know that at this point they want Chris Bubich to be a starter. I don't know that they're not like, okay, this is your role now. You are a swingman for us. Uh, There is no way. They're going to have him do that. I, they have they have so much pitching to do that. in the pipeline. They have so much pitching in the pipeline, some of which has been more reliable even at the major league level than Bubich has. I think that I they're agree not with going that, to. But you can't take a guy who has shown the ability to be effective as a starter. You can't take a guy like Bubich who's been successful in, at times in a starting role in Major League Baseball and say, we're now putting you in the bullpen. That's where you are forever. If he has a chance to be a decent starter – Put him in Omaha, let him start. Especially, it's not not like you need help in the bullpen right now. Put him down there, make him be a starter. And you might say, well, they've got so much pitching in the pipeline, not much that has shown anything. So go down there, say, command, learn the word, figure it out, or you're nothing. And then in a year or two, if you say, nope, it will never happen for you, then you say bullpen. I'm not ready to give up on him as a starter, though. 
Well, the th- I'm ready to give up from him as a starter just because I'm was never super in love with Bubich anyway. He was sort of found money in my mind. Like I never thought that he was going to be great. I think if they do send him down, it's got to be command and it's got to be pitch mix. Somebody needs to convince him that he is not a 55, 60% fastball guy because he's not, I don't care how well he locates it. He needs to be focused on locating those secondary pitches, pitching off those secondary pitches and yes, commanding that fastball. I want to remind everybody that this guy was the minor league pitcher of the year and led all of minor league baseball and strikeouts at one point. Was his command good enough then? No, it wasn't. But if he gets control of that, if he can figure out that command, he's a valuable guy in a rotation. Like, I don't think you just get rid of that. You know, that's not, I, I say, since you're a program or a, an organization that is really it's one calling card has been finding bullpen arms. Why do you need to throw him in the bullpen? And, Sink or swim is a starter, man. That's my, and thing. remember Bubich and Singer, I don't know if they either, either of them had any time at AAA. Uh, previously. Bubich didn't and so, any. Yeah. I don't think Singer did either. And so, th- you know, I don't know is... that Bubich had time at double A either. I think he might've been a guy that went straight from high A. And th- this is a great opportunity. Maybe he just needs that development and maybe they never should have been so quick to bring him to major league baseball. I'll say this. I'm, I'm in agreement with you that I, I think there, it does look like maybe there are some changes being made, which is good to see. It is funny to me that, and this is going to sound like boasting or like some weird harebrained fan theory or something, but does it seem to anyone else like, the sort of hardcore Royals fan base has a sense of what they want the team to do. The team doesn't do it for months at a time. And then eventually the team figures out they should be doing that thing that the fan base was calling for them to do the whole time. They do that and they start winning more. Is it weird? Is that, is that, am I crazy? Does that seem crazy? They mentioned that on the Royals farm report podcast the other day, they said, Dayton Moore loyal to a fault because he just hangs right. on to these people. That wasn't, that was not a, a that million was, to be clear, that was not on the Royals Farm Report podcast. That was on One Royal Way. It just happened oh, to have both it? Joel and Alex on there. Oh, day. my bad. Okay. Um, but I was like, you know what? You're right. It's crazy to me how much they let these guys fail at the major league level. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll just keep failing. Keep going. Oh, that's all right. And then what do you like fist pump when they turn it the one guy out of 10 that turns it around late? Yeah. Like, they, 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 do you take a victory lap when, you know, Hunter Dozier starts hitting a little bit again, or like, what's the deal? Because <laughs> you, you've lost like a hundred games in the last, you know, six years or whatever. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's tough. And I love that you brought up that point because I was listening to that yesterday or the day before, I can't remember. And I heard that like Alex Duvall make this point that, you know, yes, they're, they're actually being disloyal to other players on the team, to the ones who are producing by continuing to let these guys play. And that's not what came to my mind first. What came to my mind first was they're being disloyal to the fan base. Those are yeah. the people you are supposed to be like working for you work for your fans because they pay your salary because they give money to this team. And so it's interesting to me that, how hard and stringently they hold on to this notion of loyalty in what is the most results oriented business in the world. You know, it should all be about results. And what's interesting is as we see these young guys come up, you actually start seeing more of those results. You see, like there was a tweet put out today and I'm sorry, I can't give credit for it. I, I, but somebody like put out how the young hitters did in the two games today versus the veteran hitters. And it was night and day. The young hitters were like hit like 333 today. And the, the veteran hitters hit like 200. And, you know, it, it just shows you like, it's not a coincidence that when the young guys play, this team plays better. And that's, I think the thing that a lot of us have been calling for and the thing that a lot of us would like to see and the thing that makes it fun, which we're going to bring up here in a second. 
Well, it's, it's also, it's just, it's weird when you're an organization whose thinking moves slower than your fan bases, right? That is weird. It's weird. Like you do not adapt and adjust fast enough for anyone. And that, you know, that's constantly why it's like, oh, it's 2022 and the Royals are trying to implement a pitching development system like other people were developing six years ago. We're talking a lot about the young players right now, but I don't know. Mike wants to talk about one of the old players. And when I say old, I mean old. He old, baby. Uh, Zach Greinke had himself a week, baby. He went 11.2 innings pitched, only gave up three earned runs, four Ks. Most notably and most importantly, zero walks in the two starts that he had this week. We knew Zach Greinke was that kind of a pitcher, the guy that's not really going to strike out a lot of guys, but he has pinpoint command. That's the guy that he is now, a pitch-to-contact kind of guy. But And we knew and we really thought that maybe he chose the Royals because it's a bigger ballpark and he knew that there was going to be a good defense behind him. That scheme seems to be working really well for him right now. Brad Keller is kind of following a, a similar thing where his strikeout numbers aren't fantastic, but his pitching numbers are fantastic right now. And so Granky, if he can keep doing these types of things, it seems it's one of the few chances that they consistently have to win when he's uh, on the mound. Yeah, there was a great piece out on MLB.com today about Granky and the way he's going about having success so far this year. Just, you know, pitching on the edges, having tremendous command, not walking anyone and letting the defense work behind him. Yes, he's giving up some hard hit balls, but maybe hard hit balls don't matter as much when you never walk anybody. The ball's been deadened a little bit and they're not balls aren't leaving the yard. He's got an elite outfield. He's got an elite infield. They'll do enough for him. He can give up some hard hit singles here and there. No big deal. As long as he's not walking guys and giving up home runs, doesn't really matter that much. The guy I want to talk about having a great week this week, sadly, left the game today, the first game today with an injury, and that was Edward Olivares. What a spark he has been to the lineup. I just, I love watching him hit. Yes, he is aggressive at the plate, and typically we say Royals hitters need to be less aggressive, but he's sort of been aggressive in the right ways, making a lot of contact, a lot of hard contact, not striking out. He went seven for 15 this week, had three doubles. No walks, but only two strikeouts. Looked really, really good at the plate, and that's most most important for him. He has been a spark plug to the point where they put him in the leadoff spot, which I think was working pretty well until, of course, he left today's game with a right quad strain, I think. Yeah, and hopefully we hear some good news on that, that it's day-to-day or something that just takes a little bit of rest and rehab. I Can I tell you my theory as to why I think he is a little bit more of a free swinger that does not strike out, whereas somebody like a Mondesi or a Sal tends to strike out a little bit more because of that. I think he has better plate coverage than those guys do. I think he can hit more consistently balls that are on the outside edge or even a little outside the zone and put them in play hard better than some of those other guys do. And I think that leads to him being a free swinger who can actually get hits and hit the ball hard. Yeah. And people talk about Salvi, like he's that guy, that guy who can, oh, he can take one outside the zone and crush it over the fence. Like not really anymore. His swing used to be that a little bit, but he, it seems like over the last year or two, since he's transitioned into this more power approach, he doesn't have the kind of plate coverage he used to. And let's be honest, he's, he's so much of a free swinger. Like Olivares is nowhere near the level of Salvador Perez in terms of swinging at pitches outside the plate, like or outside the strike zone. So, you know, you're right. Olivares does have good plate coverage. He can hit the ball hard if it's low, especially he hits low pitches really well. He'll hit them on the ground some, but he hits them hard on the ground. And so they're more likely to get through for singles and things like that. So I've been really happy with the sort of way he's evolved his game to sort of still fit him 
fit his sort of style uh, as a free swinger, but ultimately start producing more and more results. I really hope he's back in the lineup as soon as possible, because I think that's the version of their lineup. Best version of their lineup at this point has Edward Olivares in it. Not everybody played great this week. We have some people really struggling. Mike, who is on the top of your list of players who really need to pick up their performance from this week? Well, I hate beating this dead horse again, right? But Whit Merrifield struggled in a way that cannot be ignored. One for 15 this week, two strikeouts and no walks. Whit Merrifield is not much of a person that walks very often, but he's going to have to change up something in his approach. I know he hasn't been getting his the, the luck numbers. The bat bip's been really low. You know, he's not striking out a ton, which he never has. He's not walking hardly at all, which he never has. But something's going to have to change in his approach or he I don't see how he's going to miraculously come back with the fact that he's never been a guy that hit the ball very hard. Yeah, it's just looking so bad for Merrifield right now. And they keep talking about him like, well, he's not worried. He's putting the ball in play hard. He's doing this, that or the other. It's like something else is wrong, guys. Something is wrong. It's not just like, a, oh, this is bad luck at this point. No, we played too many games. It's not bad luck at this point. It's that he's not putting the ball in play with the right launch angle frequently enough. That's what it is, honestly. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's a bat path issue. Maybe it's an approach issue because he needs to be swinging at different kinds of pitches. I don't know. I just know that we need to start talking about what Merrifield is in this lineup because right now he's an everyday player. And when I say everyday player, I mean every freaking day. And maybe that's a problem. Maybe he needs a few days off to make an adjustment, to get his mind right, to reset the clock, something because the running him out there every day is not working at this point. And we talked about loyalty to a fault earlier. This is a great example of that loyalty to a fault. And what's going to happen is he's going to get a little hot streak and get hits. And Mike Matheny is going to come out and say, see, we knew if we stuck with him, he'd, he'd turn it around. Well, how many games did you let him do nothing for this team? How many games you got to lose? So Whit Merrifield can feel better about himself. Like, no kidding. It's, it's I, weird. If it I'm is one of those other guys, I look at Mike Matheny and go, what the hell are you talking about? He hit for, we, we let him not hit for two months so he could hit for a week. That yeah. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So we can help, help us win a week's worth of games. We just lost, you know, 20 games on the back of his 150 batting average great we won four this week like it doesn't it doesn't compute for me but i guess i'm not a baseball genius like someone like mike Matheny. so what would i know but i know that merrifield had yet another struggling week and if he keeps showing up in this list of our week performances well we'll know who to we'll know who to thank i guess <laughs> uh i'm going to talk about a guy who had truly i mean uh, there are bad performances and then there are truly awful performances and that's what chris bubich came out with this week he threw one third of an inning that's right he got one out in his outing this week gave up four earned runs on two hits two walks and a home run they were real quick with the hook with them this i mean it became clear that Matheny was just fed up with what he was doing and so they pulled him really quickly in the start couldn't locate again it was hard to watch honestly i was watching it and i'm just like you heard people tweet or people were tweeting at the time. I was one of them. It was like, this is Chris Bubich's last start, like for a while, because okay. you just can't leave like somebody like this in the lineup. Who's going to put you in a hole the first inning, every single time he pitches, like it's non-competitive. He is making his team non-competitive with the way he's pitching right now. And it's, it's not good. I, like, like you said, he's going to move to the bullpen. We'll see if eventually he ends up going down to triple a don't know really needs to work on that command. Not confident that, that 
Cal Eldred is the guy to help him with that. But we'll see as we move forward if he finds something because it was a real, real rough week for Chris Bubich. That said, I still think we really are digging the fact that it's young players who we're starting to get to see more of. It's fun to me when the best players play, and that was my theme for this week. It's fun when the best players play. So we saw a game earlier today. It was close. It was back and forth. You know, people were, Edward Olivares was getting some hits and Bobby Witt Jr. was doing some stuff. And, you know, Melendez then gets a hit in the second game. It's fun to watch. Isbell had two hits in the first game today. It's fun to have the young guys out there playing when you know that they're the best players. It's, it's, it's just this weird philosophy to me. And I brought this up to you preseason where I was like, I don't think the Royals are actually trying to win because they are not playing their best players. And we're seeing that now the young guys come up. They're better than the guy, the veterans that they have. They're better than the Ryan O'Hearns and the Carlos Santana's of the world. And it's more fun to watch. It's more competitive. And that's why I was convinced that the Royals aren't actually trying to win. If they were, they'd be playing these players who are better. So it's a lot of fun when we actually get to see the best players play. And that rolls right into my theme for the week, which is stolen from Royals farm report, but I liked it so much. I was like, I can definitely get behind that. That's let the kids play. We need to see Vinny Pasquantino up here. He is making a joke out of AAA pitching right now, hitting home runs, walking more than he strikes out. You have to find out if he can hit at the major league level or if he's going to be a viable option at first base or does he have to be a DH only guy? All those things need to be answered. And it, you, you said it too. For fans, if we're going to lose, I want to see the guys that are going to be coming up next. I want to see the young, exciting players. I don't want to see Carlos Santana for the 15 millionth time. I don't want to see you know, Hunter Dozier out there doing the same thing I've seen him do a million times to Ryan, especially Ryan O'Hearn. I don't know who he's got dirt on in the organization, but you know, him out there still, I don't need any of that. Let me see the young guys play so we can figure out when this team's going to be competitive, who's going to be a part of it. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on whatever platform you use. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing helps people find the show and helps us build a larger community. If you leave us a five-star rating and good review, we'll make sure to give you a shout out and read a snippet of your review on the next show. Also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Royals Weekly. We're constantly posting new analysis and commentary. So check that out. Everyone's talking about the Royals anemic offense, and it is a topic worth focusing on, but we're sick of offense talk. I've heard enough of it. I can only hear so much about how Whit Merrifield looks like the ghost of Chris Getz out there before I <laughs> need to change the subject. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the starting pitching instead. It's been a tale of two rotations up to this point for the Royals. They have three pitchers in Zach Granke, Brad Keller, and Daniel Lynch, who have looked pretty solid. Granke and, and Keller especially have looked really good. Lynch eh, hit and miss sometimes, but for the most part, pretty solid. And then they have two pitchers in Chris Bubich and Carlos Hernandez, who have looked very Ho-Chaver-esque, if you will. <laughs> Mike, how would you evaluate the starting rotation up to this point in the year? disappointing. And that is because I expected Granky to come in and be Zach Granky. We know the tracker. We know him. I expected Keller to be a lot better than he was last year because prior to that, I have seen Brad Keller get out major league hitters and do very well. Now the way that he did it, the adjustments that he made, I'm very glad that that's how he chose to do it. Throw the four seamer more, throw it up in the zone, lean more heavy on the slider. That That is intelligent adjustments in my opinion. That's a guy with a plan, and it's great to see that, and I thought Brad, Brad Keller could do that. The guys that we all talked about, well, he has to take a step forward, and he has to take a step forward, and if he takes a step forward, he's going to be great. None of them took a step forward. 
with what about maybe Lynch? the exception of Daniel Lynch, who Lynch has been solid, but I don't think anybody's going, well, this is the Daniel Lynch we hoped for, right? This is the guy that we thought could be a number one or a number two. So no, it's it's been disappointing for me in that you took a guy in Brady Singer and you look like you haven't done anything with it. You took a guy in Chris Bubich, look like you haven't done anything with that. Carlos Hernandez has probably taken a step back this year. Those guys throw Jackson Kowar, who knows what's going on with that guy. They're all too good to not take, to be taking steps back, to be not get, getting more out of them. I think the Daniel Lynch point is actually just recency bias to some degree. If, if he didn't go out and have such a terrible outing today, no, we'd be saying it, really no, good. Not right? at like, all for me. I, I understand that. And I actually so, thought he did a decent job to battle back today. No, I'm not saying that. I, I think if you look at the stuff even before that, you're going, okay, is this the Daniel, the ceiling that we thought Daniel Lynch could get to? And maybe he's still got time to develop into that ceiling, into that guy maybe. But I don't think anybody's going, okay, this is a guy that can be the anchor of a rotation. Well, no, but for back into the first round, I mean, at the very past the first round, the comp round, I think Daniel Lynch was taken in. You get a mid-rotation starter, which is what he was looking like up till today. And maybe he can, has looked like at times this year. I think you got to be happy with that. That's all you can really ask for from somebody taking in his spot. Now your, your point about singer, that's very valid. You know, your point about Hernandez also very valid. I've been somewhat pleasantly surprised by the rotation, mostly because I didn't expect Keller to bounce back this much. And I didn't expect Granky to be this uh, successful, this good up to this point. And then Lynch has been a, a nice surprise. I think the downside is we needed two of those 2018 pitchers to step forward or two of those guys, 2018 plus Hernandez guys to step forward. And only one of them really has so far. Now the season's not over. It's still young. Brady singers down in AAA, looking like he's about to come back up again. John Heasley is looking like he might get a chance at some point. So we're not 100% set on that 2018 clash yet. But I'd say up to this point, I've actually been somewhat pleasantly surprised because I thought the rotation would be the thing that dragged the Royals down all year. And it turns out right now it's the lineup that's really dragging them down and keeping them from winning baseball games. If we're talking about guys like Keller and Lynch, though, guys who have sort of started to find some success in that rotation, do we then have to start saying, oh, well, maybe Cal Eldred deserves some credit here? Maybe we've been a little too hard. Do we, Mike, do we owe Cal Eldred an apology for the many, 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 many times we've asked for him to be fired on this podcast? No. And here's why. And I'm going to give you two reasons why. One, you can say, okay, Eldred gets credit for Keller taking a step forward this year. Cal Eldred has been his pitching coach for like three or four years. Does he get blame for what happened to him last year? <laughs> I mean, let's just bring that up, but that's not even one of my points. First off, Cal Eldred couldn't even work with these guys this offseason. The, I'm giving credit to these guys for their step forwards. Brad Keller deserves credit for that step forward. Daniel Lynch deserves credit. And there's a lot of talk on how Daniel Lynch works with people outside the organization, not with the, the Royals development team, pitching development staff. I don't think Cal Edred deserves a whole lot of credit for really any of these guys. I think they deserve credit. I think there are some analytics people who came through and sat down with them and said, listen, these are the pitches you're successful with. These are the ones you're not. You can choose to make those changes or you can choose to do what you've done in the past that wasn't successful. And these were the guys who put a plan in place and were able to execute that plan. Brady Singer, on the other hand, 
They, I'm sure, have told him the exact same thing. They've even mentioned it on the broadcast. Hey, he needs to throw the change up more. He has never been able to execute that plan. It's that simple. And if you're Kyle Eldred, you, you can't take credit for stuff when you weren't this offseason, you weren't able to work with guys because of the lockout. So why does he get credit for that? I don't understand that. I'll say this. If he does deserve credit for Keller and Lynch, he also deserves credit for Bubich and Hernandez, guys who have taken <laughs> steps way back. And so and this is, yeah, and co and this is the problem with 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 evaluating Eldred as a pitching coach is even if you try and say like, no, we have to be fair to him. We have to give him credit for every pitcher who succeeds. Well, then by the transitive property, we have to not really transitive property. But we also have to give him credit for every pitcher who fails. And right now they got a lot of guys who fail. They got a, they got a pitching staff that is not cutting it. If you want to give him credit for the totality of the pitching staff, he should be fired. If you want to give him credit just for the guys who aren't succeeding, he should be fired. If you, should, you know, there, there is no reasonable measure by which he deserves credit for the guys who are succeeding, but not credit for the guys who are failing. It's like, no, this is your job. Okay. You deserve credit for the totality of the pitching staff. And at the major league level, it has not cut it for a long time. And I know this may be like super simplistic. Hey, fans speak. But at this point, we now have a track record. That's just insane. What is wrong with the first inning? Good question. What is going on with the first inning? What, what was the stat I heard today? Out of the first inning without giving up runs. I was listening to the to the, to the radio broadcast for the first few innings today, and I heard Ryan Lefevre say a stat, something along the lines of like, they have lost the first inning twenty five to eight. That that that's sort of the the run differential. I'm for the surprised first it's for the not rest. more. And then Monty came on and was like, they have not won a game trailing after the first. And they still have it. Right. And so, <laughs> and so, you know, what are we talking about here? Like they get, they don't get just getting holes in the first, they get in massive, massive pits in the first five, six, seven run innings. After the first inning, your team is out of the game. Now the game is over. What are you doing? And this is Cal Eldred. It is your job to make them prepared to pitch the very first pitch. This isn't 1927 where it's like, well, they got to feel guys out in the first. inning. No, you don't have time to feel guys out in the first inning. You need to be successful from the first pitch, and it's Cal Eldridge's job to make that happen. Right now, in my mind, he is a below replacement level, level pitching coach. We could literally go out and find any available pitching coach, anyone. Pull a guy off the street. Pull somebody off the street who knows nothing about pitching. Send them in there and just say, do nothing. Let the players decide for themselves. And I guess I guarantee you they do better than, these, than this guy's doing. If, he, if I hear the phrase establish the fastball one more time, oh. I'm, I'm going nuts. Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> now we keep bringing up Bubich in the, as if he's still in the rotation. He isn't in the rotation anymore. He has been up to this point, but they've re- removed Bubich from the rotation and they're moving him into the bullpen. As we said earlier, Mike, who do you think is going to take that spot? Who's going to get the next chance to show us that they deserve to stay in the rotation? I think it's going to be John Heasley at AAA Omaha. I'm a Heasley guy. Okay. In that I think John Heasley is a guy who can stick in a major league rotation. I don't think John Heasley is the guy who headlines your rotation, but I think he's the kind of guy that in, on a team that's solid can, can be your four or five. Right now he's got a 4.44 ERA at Omaha, but here's the real sexy number. You ready for this sexy beast? Mm-hmm. 0.95 whip. Yeah, walks plus hits per innings pitched. Why? Because he doesn't walk people. That's the thing. It might be a nice, refreshing thing to see a guy not put guys on base for free. 10 plus Ks per nine, which is fantastic. Really? Okay. 
uh, greater than three walk per nine inch innings pitch less, less than, than three sorry my bad mike mike mixed up his uh he didn't learn the symbol back in that's, fourth a, that's a greater than symbol my friend uh, uh re- read that read where what, on what side <laughs> of the of the symbol is is this okay just learn it i'm pretty okay. sure that's a greater than symbol so <laughs> okay we need a math teacher to come on here and teach <laughs> mike something us, about uh, math. yeah i don't know mike, anything about that uh, he knows nothing but he's got less than three walks per nine because he doesn't walk people the one issue with John Heasley, why does he have a 4.44 ERA then? Because he can give up the long ball. Now you got to hope. Now he's given up the long ball in Omaha. It's a little bit easier to give up a home run at Omaha and in the what are the, what league are they in now? I don't Who know what knows. they call it anymore. Do they call it Me the either. Pacific Coast League anymore? Let's it just call used it to be the Pacific, Pacific Coast, Coast League. League. Uh, but the, you can give up home runs in that league. It, it's it's a place you can hit. Come to Kaufman. Great defense behind you. Dead and ball. I think John Heasley has a chance to be successful because he doesn't put people on base. Yeah, I think. And I love his mix. He's got four pitches. They're all pretty solid. Four solid pitches. I think that would be enough for Heasley. I think we're talking about, yes, he's going to give up the home run. Just don't walk people. He's going to strike some guys out because he commands those pitches fairly well. And maybe if they work with him, if they find something in his numbers, in his data that says, here's why you give up the home run so much, if we could just lessen that, then he should be fine, right? We're talking about a fine back-end starter. I'm not looking for him to do anything more than come out, give up three to five runs in six innings every game, and be fine. That's all I'm asking for. Don't crush our bullpen by getting knocked out in the first inning. Just don't walk anybody. If you give up a home run here and there, I'm fine with that. But just don't be a guy who just can't give any innings from the rotation. You need to be something more reliable than that. I'm going to transition us into our next uh, topic here because there are going to be people who call for Brady Singer to get that start in the next one. What do you think? Well, so I don't think he should get the start in the next one. I'm somebody who, if you, if you follow us on Twitter, which everybody should at Royals weekly, we put out so much content on Twitter. It's insane. Uh, But follow us on Twitter. You'll see that I put out a thread. I've been, I've been following singers starts in AAA very closely because I'm very interested in how that changeup is working. And so I've watched every pitch he's thrown in AAA so far. And I'll say this about it. His changeup in his last outing looked really, really good. As good as I have seen it. If he throws the changeup, the, if he can throw the changeup at the major league level, the same way he did in his last outing at AAA, the potential is incredible. I mean, I mean incredible. I mean mid three ERA incredible. Like, because... In his last start, he threw 11 change-ups. Four of them got swings and misses. That's a new development for him. But previously, his change-up didn't have the tumble and fade to get enough swing and miss, but he got four swings and miss. He struck out two guys on it. He also got a bunch of weak contact. He always gets a bunch of weak contact on that change-up, and he located it really well. He missed one location out of those 11 pitches. A guy, I think, still hit a weak pop-up on it. It was an out. but Or maybe he just took it for a ball. I can't remember. But... He is doing a really good job. And if you watch that last outing he had in AAA, he's gaining confidence in that changeup. He's shaking other pitches to get to that changeup and throw it. So you can tell things are going really well for Singer as he starts to work on that changeup more. What I don't want is that interrupted. I want him to get a few more starts in AAA before he comes back up for the major leagues. This is one of those instances where maybe it makes the Royals better if they bring Singer up right now instead of Heasley, but it doesn't make Singer better. It won't help his long-term yeah, development. He needs to stay in AAA for two to three more starts and then come back up because let's face it, I don't think Hernandez is a long-term solution in the rotation right now anyway. And so 
give it some time, let him take two or three more starts and then bring him up if that changeup continues to be as effective as it has been. The Royals were supposed to have an off day Monday, but because of the rains in Baltimore, they'll finish up the Baltimore series on Monday at around 11 central time. It's going to be like a morning game for people here in Kansas city. I'm a little excited. Oh, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to watch I'm going to work. Hey, I'm not going to come out and say that in case my employers is, is, but maybe I'll listen to it at work. <laughs> Wait, there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I hope my employer is. Hey, uh, I, yeah. Okay. And boss, that was a joke. I will not be watching it at work while I'm supposed to be teaching kids about history. That was I a joke. It. Anyway, so after the Baltimore game on Monday, they'll head to Texas for a three-gamer against the Rangers, and then they'll head to Colorado for a three-gamer against the Rockies. It's a road trip week. Uh, We already previewed the Baltimore series, so we won't talk about Monday's game. But, Mike, tell us about the Rangers. How are they looking this year? Uh, They're looking about like the Rangers usually look. They're (laughs) 11 and 15, and they're fourth in in a tough AL West. They're in the middle of a rebuild, which feels like they've been in the middle of that rebuild for five years now. Ever since no probables. they made that World Series back-to-back years, it seems like they've yeah been in the rebuild. And well, I mean, and they then they built that stadium, but couldn't use it, or maybe it just feels for the like first that. year of COVID. Know. Yeah, I don't know. Real weird. Uh, they miss uh, Prince Fielder down there. <laughs> um, <laughs> no uh, probables for this series, but you have to imagine that we'll see Keller, and then we're going to see what they do for Bubich's replacement. You realize they pre- they could do like a like a Bolaño start with yeah. guy with a bullpen game as well. We didn't really they talk could. about that as an option. They could do that. John Heasley's already on the 40 man. So you figure maybe he comes up and does that. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. They could do a bullpen game, but they now play like 19 or 17 games yeah. in 15 days. So I think the odds of a bullpen game are a little bit long just because they are going to need that bullpen. And so it's, it's going to be really rough on them for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I agree. They, uh, the Rangers are 23rd in weighted runs created plus at 90. They're 24th in team ERA, so they are not doing so great. Still have a better record than the Royals at 11 and 15, but they're not doing great. Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, both guys that they were kind of counting on are struggling uh, offensively. Pitchers Martin Perez and Dane Dunning, though, are having pretty good years. So we'll see what we get against the Rangers. Yeah, after the Rangers will come uh, the Rockies, who are doing well record-wise. They're 16 and 12, third in the NL West. A little bit of a surprise. The Rockies are sort of kind of the running joke of baseball. The way they're run, well, they're not. I mean, whether or not they're successful as an, as a front office, they're like the running joke of Major League Baseball because they're so poorly run. And so it's a surprise that they're out there at least winning some games this year. 16 and 12 is pretty good. Third in the NL West, that's tied for third really with the giants right now. Uh, the trick to that though, is they have a minus nine run differential. They're actually 13 and 14 in the Pythagorean win loss, which means they're outplaying their run differential quite a bit. And so we'll see if they end up coming back to earth at some point right now, they're 17th in team weighted runs created plus with one Oh three, which is pretty good. Uh, not great, but okay. CJ Crone is having a monster year for them offensively. He's our first baseman. He's got a 1.036 OPS crushing the ball from first base right now. So they have a couple guys in their lineups doing okay. And then Crone is really sweeping up and just destroying right now. They're 26th in ERA, but they do have a couple of really competent starters right now. Trad Chad Cole and Kyle Freeland and Antonio Senzatella Senzatella. I'm going to say that uh, have been very good in the, out of their rotation, which is, you know, it's tough to pitch in uh, Colorado, but they seem to be doing okay there. Uh, the bullpen has a few guys who are sort of achieving and then a few guys who are massively underachieving. So you see a real split in guys they have. A little bit like the Royals on offense. They have a few guys doing well and a few guys doing 
terribly. And so we'll see what they run out out of the bullpen in there in Colorado. It'd be lovely if the Royals could get, you know, at least a, a split out of those six games, uh, maybe even a winning uh, week if they can beat the Orioles on Monday. I'd like to see uh, four wins out of this seven game week. Yeah, this is one. This is a week that you have to win more than you lose because we're going to end up going against the White Sox who are going to get better. And the Twins are already doing really well. And we're not better than the Indians and sorry, the Guardians. So, yeah, it's we're it, it's going to get bad. So we, we need to win where we can. Yeah. And the, the they're playing the Orioles, Rangers and Rockies this week. Those are not three World Series contenders there. So they need to pick up some wins this week. We'll end this week the same way we end every week with our Just About Outside segment, where we talk about something that is interesting to us outside the world of baseball. Some people tune in just for this segment. No joke. There are people out there who just want to hear this garbage from Mike and I. Mike, what's interesting to you outside the world of baseball this week? It makes you wonder, should we not be doing a baseball podcast? Should we be doing like a lifestyle podcast or something? We are just not interesting enough for that. I, I don't find either one of us interesting. I read books about land. This is not, I am not an interesting person. Uh, the last book that I read was about Leonardo da Vinci. Actually. Yeah, we're both super interested. <laughs> Put us on um, TikTok. We're going to go viral. That's right, baby. I'm going to talk about Mother's Day. I'm going to take the layup here. Today is Mother's Day. That is just um, such a cop-out. I know, right? My wife is celebrating her first Mother's Day uh, for our two-and-a-half-month-old two uh, child. We went out to Powell Gardens, which I had never been to. Very cool place, and which is about, about halfway between here and uh, uh, like Warrensburg, Sedalia, okay. Okay. somewhere in there. And walked around there, had a little picnic there. It was pretty crowded, I think, probably because it was Mother's Day and Mother's got in for free. But it was really cool. And my wife enjoyed some wine in a can and uh, classy. Yeah. And it was a good time. And then, you know, uh, and I got a shout out to our wonderful mother. You know, Mark and I were, were raised by a single mother, special education teacher, the, the heart of a saint and the biceps of Hulk Hogan. So, yeah, mm-hmm. the woman is, is tougher than nails and she's great. And and then a shout out to my mother-in-law as well, Kelly, Kelly Innes. So she's done a so much to help us with our new baby and then all that. So happy mother's day to all the mothers out there, to the people who act as mothers, maybe if they aren't even mothers or to the people who aren't able to be mothers or don't want to be mothers or dog mothers are great too. And, and all those mothers. So yeah, I'm fans of all of them. Yep. I happy, did happy, happy, Yeah. Gross. Uh, <laughs> happy mother's day, Morgan. I didn't get a chance. I should text her. I'll text her. Um, but yeah, happy mother's day to all the mothers out there. I'm talking about something way less, Layuppy, like you took, mm-hmm. Mike, yeah, and way less uh, sentimental. I don't know. Uh, I'm talking about the King Killer Chronicles, baby. Uh, if you, I the other night I was okay, I played le- some Legend of Zelda. Mike and I have been playing. I, I really thought up. you were going to talk about that. Uh, no, no, because I talked about the Switch last week, and no, so I, I okay. took I took a Legend of Zelda game over to Mike's last night. But I've been really into fantasy ever since I started playing this Legend of Zelda game. I've been wanting to read more fantasy books, and so the other night I picked up a book I'd already read called A Wise Man's Fear, and this book is part of a series called The King Killer Chronicles. And I need to hype it because everybody needs to read this book series. It is incredible. I just love it. The first book is called The Name of the Wind. It is the story of a young oh, man been trying who's... to get me to read that for years. And it's amazing. And you still haven't. So you need Ugh. to, because your life is all messed up. 
And so <laughs> read this book, The Name of the Wind. Imagine, the, so I study writing for a living. That's what my job is. And I can tell you that the writing in this book is 80 grade, 80 grade writing in this book. It is top notch. The guy who wrote it, his name is Patrick Rothfuss, incredible writer. And you will not be disappointed that you read this book. It's about a, a young man whose family is killed. Who's He's like part of a traveling um, performing troupe. And his family and the entire troop are killed one day while he's out like playing in the woods or something. And he comes back to find these demons who have killed them, like sitting around the campfire. And he spends the rest of his life trying to learn, I guess you would call it, they would, you might call it magic. They don't call it magic, but you might call it magic in order and trying to just become a, a better warrior and, and a better person who can sort of know things he's like trying to find out who these people are and how he can like sort of get vengeance on them basically and so it's just an amazing book it's sort of told in not in flashback but it's told by the main character later on in his life he's sort of retelling the story of his life to somebody and he has sort of already become infamous at this point in his life and so like but he's also gone into hiding everybody thinks he's dead and so it's just this kind of crazy, twisty, turny, really compelling story. If you're into fantasy or if you're just into great writing, this book ghosts series and magic. is you lost me. You lost me <laughs> ghosts and magic. There's no, there are no ghosts. There you just no ghosts. said these ghosts were sitting around a fire. No, I said demons. Those demons, the same my bad. Demons, demons are sitting magic. around a fire. Actually, they're not that called demons either because they don't have, like, they don't use the language of demons, but that's just the best word I, I have. I read the them. Harry Potter books because you said they were good. Okay. And they, they were. were okay. They were, were amazing. They were good. That's as fantasy as I go. I'm done. If you're looking for like fantasy writing that is even better than that, go, go to the King Killer Chronicles because it is fan friggin' tastic. Another thing that's fantastic is hopefully a whole bunch of Royals wins this week. Mike, yes, what do you think? Come on. And then come a on. Vinny Pasquantino call up. Or maybe a Vinny Pasquantino call up and then a bunch of Royals wins. I'm down for that I'll too. Take, that'd be great. Yes. So until that happens, be good to each other and go Royals. <laughs>